Jim Britt and Jim Lutz had a vision, and the Change Book series was developed. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your hosts and personal coaches that'll show you how to bankroll your mind. Lawrence Pipkin and Rich Perry. Join Lawrence and Rich weekly as they interview the top co-authors from all over the globe who share their insights into self-empowerment with life-enhancing realizations that will touch every area of your life. We're live every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Change Book Radio Show. My name is Rich Perry, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and business partner, Lawrence Pipkin. Lawrence, what's going on? Not much. Enjoying the, uh, I guess it's almost summer weather here in Texas. We kind of skipped spring, so, but we also skipped winter, so I'm all right with that. Yeah, well, well, I mean... (laughs) I'm in Pennsylvania, and the other day it was 60s, and then yesterday we had snow. So I'm I'm in the same boat as you, my friend. (laughs) Hey, so today's Monday, and normally our shows are on Wednesday, but, you know, we had a couple uh, scheduling difficulties. So we got a special show lined up today, and we've got two awesome guests. And our first guest, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one is Christine Suva. She's in book seven, and her chapter is Mastering Your Mindset for Success. Now, Christine has spent a lifetime exploring her insatiable passion for personal and professional development. She's a certified professional life and career coach, speaker, trainer, consultant, two-time Amazon number one international best-selling author, and she's been interviewed on television and radio. She's a founder and president of Thrive Coach Services, Inc., and she's deeply committed to helping others find passion, purpose, and success in their lives and specializes in mastering your mindset for success, leadership development, and career transition. And we are pleased to welcome Christine to the radio show. Christine, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, you know people you're... might be wondering, Rich, people might be wondering why Christine would even be talking to us after that litany of amazing accomplishments. Um, <laughs> and I'm wondering as well. And the reason that we are talking to her is because she's part of the Change Book series which means she's part of a dynamic of amazing individuals that were brought together in a um, empowerment and development uh, book series. And if you guys haven't uh, picked up any of the books, haven't read any of the chapters, reach out to us and we'll give you the right way to get about getting a copy of the chapter of either Christine or our next guest or any of the other past or future guests. So, that's why we are so privileged to have somebody of the caliber of Christine on our show. So thank you, Christine, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. No, no worries, Lawrence. He always forgets to talk again when I cut him off. (laughs) No, no. 
Rich. And <laughs> I'm here, I'm here. And you're absolutely right, Lawrence. You know, the, the Change Book series has amazing people from all over the world. And we're joined by one of them today, Christine, who's calling in from Chicago. Christine, your chapter is called Mastering Your Mindset for Success. And your, your chapter is in book seven. Why don't you give a nice brief overview of your chapter for the listeners who may not be familiar with your work. Absolutely. Well, and thank you so much for that nice introduction. I appreciate that. Um, I'm thrilled to be here, by the way, because it has been such a hugely empowering process to be part of these like-minded experts in their fields that are all out to make a difference. Um, My chapter is Mastering Mindset for Success because as I started my coaching practice, what I realized after 20 years of working as a wellness professional and outplacement consultant is that whether I was working around someone's personal life or their health issues or their relationships or I was working with them around their career and career transition and development, typically the number one thing that got in their way from getting to success and making the changes that they wanted to make in their lives with nothing outside of them, but it was actually their mindset. And so I spend a huge amount of time with my clients, really helping them become aware of those thoughts and beliefs that run in the background that keep them stuck. Because your thoughts and beliefs are what create your emotions which create your actions or lack of actions, which, of course, then creates your success or lack of success. So when you look at your results, if they're not what you want, you need to go back and look, look at what those thoughts and beliefs are that are creating those results <clears throat> internally. Now, certainly there are things that are external that can happen as well, and that's typically what I see when I work with clients is they have a litany of things outside of themselves for reasons why they can't get what they want. And so that tells me right there that I need to back them up a bit and help them uncover what's really stopping them. And I know this is in alignment with a lot of what the two of you do as well. Um, So my chapter is really about when you're trying to create a life of meaning and purpose, when you're trying to really make an impact in the world and you're trying to figure out what am I born to do, what am I supposed to be doing, it's very, very helpful if you can first know yourself really well, but secondly, know the questions that you need to be asking yourself that can uncover that. For myself, I tell my story in my chapter a bit, I have what I use called the golden thread. And when I'm working with a client that's trying to figure out what am I meant to be doing, I have them look for the golden thread in their background, in their personal life, in their interests in the jobs that they've held, in the interests that they've had outside of work. I have them look for the golden thread of what was the role that they were playing, what are their strengths, what are their skills, where have they had successes, and what are those moments along the way where someone has said, oh, my gosh, that thing you just did was awesome. Because very often it's those very things that we take for granted that are our gifts and talents And we just take them for granted because they come easily to us. And so we don't count those as skills. But what people don't realize is that just because something comes easily to us does not mean that it comes easily to everyone. 
And so we uncover those hidden stories around accomplishments. And I help them basically come up with their branding story and come up with those success stories so that they can begin to see patterns along the way. So the golden thread idea is described in in the book. But the other important piece that I find is that helping people discover their purpose really is misunderstood in many ways. I work a lot with executives. And the higher up in an organization an individual goes, the more likely I have found it to be true that their identity becomes completely wrapped up into their title, their company, their job. And because I work with a lot of them that are in transition, they're in crisis mode because they feel like they've lost their identity. And so one of the things that I really want to help people do is make sure that when defining their purpose and their reason for being here, that it's not directly tied solely to a title job or even their own business. Because unless you're able to reinvent your sense of purpose in life over time and give yourself permission to know that if a job goes away, if a company closes, if your business needs to close, you still have purpose in your life. And for some, they don't get that until they found out the hard way. And I see that a lot because of the level of people that I work with. Um, And so helping them really get that at a soul level, that there is a much higher purpose for them than any one role they play, including being a parent, by the way. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) Um, They need to get that really deeply and understand that there are multiple ways and multiple environments that they can express their purpose in life. And so that's part of my work that I do with people. It it sounds to me... uh... Like when when you say that mastering mindset for success, it actually goes to me. It sounds like it goes a level below that uh, because before you can create that mindset, you have to. When I was reading your chapter, it appeared to me that you had to really get under it when you said things like uh, create a new canvas and I am the paintbrush, mm. or create mm. a clear vision, or deal with the conflict energy of the the negative and the positive. Or realizing yes. that even in the darkest, there comes the dawn. These are all things that you said in your chapter that, Absolutely. to me, give a hint of something underneath mindset. And I was wondering if you could maybe just go a little deeper into that for me, because I'm, I'm sure. selfish and I'd like to know more, <laughs> about, sure. about how do you actually get to the mindset part. Sure, absolutely. Good, great question, by the way. Um, There is definitely a deeper process that I take people through because I do believe that getting your and owning your sense of purpose for life, your reason for being here is a spiritual process. And I don't necessarily mean a religious process, although for some people that is very much the way, the route that they go. But I mean a spiritual process. It's that part of you that is not connected to anything outside of you. And so helping people think more in terms of that spiritual nature that, they, that we all have. Some of us are more connected to that than others. And if people have sort of followed along 
by external influences, which many have, where they've maybe majored in something that the people around them told them that they should major in in college. They went into a field based on what other people suggested to them, rather than really knowing who they were and the difference that they wanted to make. So part of the process that I work with with people is helping them really tap into what is the legacy that they want to create with their life? What is the vision of that legacy for themselves? And many people don't have that. And so that becomes a visioning process. I came from wellness. That's what my master's degree is in. And I came from healthcare, and I did wellness programming for community groups, our hospital employees, corporate clients. And one of the things that I did in that role was work very closely with the mind-body program at the hospital and also the psych department. And we would teach stress management. I had a six-week relaxation therapy class that I taught. So a lot of what I'm talking about is, is to get tapped into that level, you've got to come from a centered, grounded place. Now, many times when I'm working with clients, if they're in career transition or some other sort of personal transition, maybe the loss of a relationship or a death in the family or something like that, those times in life when you're reevaluating who am I and what am I supposed to be doing with my life, they're in crisis mode a lot. And so that is a key time for them to get centered and grounded because when they come to me very often, they're not centered. And so I use those relaxation techniques and exercises to help them get centered and grounded and then take them through a process. Sometimes it happens quickly depending on how aware someone is of their inner nature, of that soul level about themselves. And other times it's a matter of peeling back the layers like an onion. And to do that, sometimes I, I, I lead them through that process of finding those hidden stories to uncover those gifts and talents and those strengths that they innately have. Those are things, for me, I consider those God-given talents and gifts, but you may call them <laughs> the universe has instilled those in them. Whatever way you look at that is fine, but the important thing is understanding that each of us have unique life experience, gifts, talents, and strengths. I also use a number of assessment tools. The, the main assessment tool that I use is called the Energy Leadership Index. And that tool is like holding a mirror to those unconscious thoughts and beliefs that run in the background. And it's an attitudinal assessment in that all of your life experiences influence the way you read the questions in the assessment. And so it's something that's, it, you know, unlike some of the personality tests that are out there, and I, I'm also certified in the Myers-Briggs and the Strong Interest Inventory, and I use those. But with the Energy Leadership Index tool, it's very, very helpful in seeing where people get blocked. Because in tapping into that purpose for life, that legacy that you want to create, if someone has what we call, it's called victim energy in the tool that I use, but it's essentially feeling like it's that external locus of control where you feel that what you do can't influence the outcomes in your life, that you believe it's external factors that determine who you are, what you can be, what you can accomplish, and all of those things. All the, it can be on a health level as well how healthy you are. There's nothing you can do. Think of the people that say, 
well, it doesn't make any difference. Everybody in my family died by 50 from a heart attack, so I'm going to too, so I might as well just go ahead and enjoy life and smoke and drink and do all of these other things because they don't feel that their behavior can have any impact on that. So if someone feels that way, it's very hard for them to tap into having that higher vision for their lives and creating a legacy with their life because they feel that what what they're doing can't impact that. And so depending on where that individual is within this assessment tool tells me where I start. So in essence, that's a long answer to your question, but it is a much deeper process that I take people through. So kind of a simple analogy is when we turn on the Internet, there are thousands of articles at any given moment on how to write the perfect resume how to make it SEO, how to answer interview questions, right? We can all just turn it on and there's, it's right there for us to read. I have expertise in outplacement consulting, which for any listeners listening, if you don't know what outplacement consulting is, that is where an organization has layoffs or closings and those individuals that lose their jobs in the process, as an outplacement consulting firm, we would come in and help take them forward. So we would take them through the assessment process. We would take them through helping coping with the loss of the job. We would t- get their resumes together, teach them interviewing skills, how to conduct an effective job search. So we'd have job search strategy, interview practice, how to negotiate offers, the whole process. Those are things that I consider mostly the external process of a job search. When I started my coaching practice, I really wanted to combine my wellness background with my outplacement background because I always take a holistic approach with clients because personally I believe that every area of your life is connected. We can compartmentalize our thinking to a point, but your personal life affects your professional life and vice versa. If you're working in a career where you're absolutely miserable and you're burned out, you're, number one, clearly not functioning at your optimum level. You're not reaching your potential. But even, even more so, that can become like poison in the rest of your life. It can poison your relationships with the family, friends, particularly those in your immediate family. It can poison your health, as we know. People have health conditions. So I've always taken a holistic approach. The difference between what I do and what a a typical, what we think of as a career coach does, is that very deeper mindset, life legacy, life vision process. Because one of the things that I definitely did not want to be doing was helping people get a job they don't even want. Because I've seen the outcome of doing that. And it's, it's devastating. So my goal is to help people really get grounded and rooted and who they are and their gifts and talents at that spirit level and come, with it, come up with that vision for their life and the legacy that they're creating with that and then set the goals to start moving in that direction. Okay. So I don't know if that um, totally answered your question, but... <laughs> it does, uh, very much so. But I think uh, when I... that To me, that's a very... It's, it's answered the question that I asked, and it's very analytical. And the people that would read your chapter, perhaps they would, they would want to ask you, why does Ms. Suva care that I have the job that I want? Why would she even put forth the effort 
to create that purpose, that vision in me. So I want to know what your motivation is for this lifelong involvement that you've created for yourself. Great question. Well, as a kid, from the time I started going into bookstores, I knew the aisles that I navigated to. (laughs) I kind of hung out in the personal development area, the health area, the psychology area. And when I started buying books of my own, they were all in that, in those genres. It was never fantasy. It was never, you know, fiction. It was always with the mindset of how can I use this information to improve myself and grow myself? And how can I then take that information to help other people? And this started literally back as a teenager. And so I was given the gift from the parents that I had in having those strengths and gifts pointed out to me all along the way. And what that did was it allowed me to know my purpose for my life very early on, and it literally is like that guiding light in your life, like that internal compass, and guided absolutely every decision that I've ever made with my education, with my, the jobs that I accepted, the jobs that I said no to. It has guided literally every step of my path throughout my career. And so that power of knowing that is incredible. But where that really came from is actually the beginning of my story in the chapter. I tell a story about a woman who, from a very early age, knew that she loved particularly classical piano. And she was playing on the main stages of St. Louis by the time she was actually 12 years old and had some incredible opportunities given to her. She was given an offer for a full-ride scholarship to Juilliard at 13. She was given the opportunity to play Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue on a stage with seven other pianos and an orchestra and three weeks to learn it. She was given incredible opportunities, and it was her faith, her knowing herself, but also knowing her values and priorities for her own life that guided the decisions on which of those incredible opportunities she said yes to and those she passed on. So, for example, Juilliard, to a musician, a scholarship is like the pinnacle for a kid at 13 years old. But she knew herself well enough already at 13 to know that her number one value and priority in life was family. She had a rich, full family life while she played these main stage huge concerts in front of thousands of people as a kid. And she knew that, and it guided those decisions to help her know, is this really my dream? Yes, as a musician, we would think that Juilliard would be the dream. But she knew enough to ask herself, is it really for me? And secondly, was she willing to sacrifice her family time to move across country alone, away from her family, to pursue that dream? And with just those two questions, at the tender age of 13, she knew her answer, and it was no. Instead, she went on to pursue a career in music education, and over a course of 35 years, she instilled the love of music in thousands of children. And she continued to play the main stages in the meantime. She also played into retirement. Well into retirement at 80 years old, she would still sit down at her grand piano 
and play that piano for hours at a time. So one of the things that that taught me was that you need to be able to know yourself well enough to make decisions not only on your sense of purpose, your gifts, and your strengths for yourself, but also on your changing priorities and your values over time. Because that woman was my mother, and my father's story is every bit as, as powerful as, as hers. But I had those two role models for me to show me what living a life of meaning and purpose, doing what you are meant to do in the world, but not to the point that you are completely ignoring your own sense of values and priorities. So in other words, you, you don't blindly go after your dreams and never check in with yourself to say, am I in alignment? Am I following my dream but honoring my values and priorities in the process? Because sometimes people think it's a one-and-done thing. You make the decision on what you're going to major in in college, you go get a job, and that's what you do. And you never check back in with yourself to say, am I still enjoying this? Is this fitting with the rest of my life? So, for example, one of the things that I love doing is speaking. And that absolutely has been my number one marketing tool. I also love writing. As a speaker, when I first started speaking, I had very young children. For me, as for my mother, my number one priority is my family. I lost four children on the way to the two that I have. And so I don't take being a mother lightly but I also know that I have a bigger purpose in my life than just being their mother. So I have to marry the two in a way that I don't create a life of regrets while I'm on the way to making my impact. And I do that by checking in with myself along the way to say, how old are my kids now? When I started, one was in preschool and the other was in early elementary. Now I've got one almost in high school and went almost in junior high. So it's a different stage for us. I can get out there speaking more. And so it will continue to get more over time. One of the things that I see people do is they go after that dream and they get so excited and they get years down the road and all of a sudden they wonder what happened to those most important relationships in their life because they weren't nurturing them along the way. And they may have incredible outward success, but the rest of their life is in shambles. For me, that does not define a full life of success. It has one area, one dimension of success. My goal and my passion is to help people build a life, as I saw in my own parents, having a big impact using their gifts, making their impact, creating their legacy, but also creating a life of no regrets. And one of the things that has really driven that home even further for me is over this last year, we've almost lost my mother twice. She had a stroke just this last January. And she also now has Alzheimer's that is largely progressed. And we did not think she was going to make it. And as difficult and painful as the thought of losing her has been, I also realized that she was still teaching me. Because when you have lived your life in the way she has, 
when you've gone after your dreams and regularly checked in with yourself, with your values, with your shifting priorities, you've given yourself permission to reinvent how you're using your gifts in the world over time, there are no regrets. So when you get to the end of your life, as she's close now, sadly, (laughs) but when you get to that point in life, there is no, oh, I wish I would have or I wish I wouldn't have because she's checked in with herself all along the way. And the power of living your life in that way and the comfort that that gives not only to that individual but to their family and their loved ones is priceless. So that's really my driving goal is that has been a lifelong process of having a life of meaning and purpose modeled for me and what that looks like. And it doesn't always look like what everyone tells you you should want for your own life. It's finding what is right for you and for your family and letting that guide you. Awesome. Christine, uh, we have to wrap up in just a moment, but before we do, can you give the listeners a quick tip? Now, when you say check in, okay, uh, mm-hmm. let's, break it, let's break it down for the listeners. Give them an action step. What's a golden nugget, a quick tip, a strategy that you've got to show them how easy it is to check in and to know that they are fulfilling their uh, purpose in life, that they're able to leave that legacy while still staying in alignment with values and priorities. What's a quick tip that you've got to help them do exactly what you're saying right now? Um, well, obviously, you know, it, it, working with a coach is a great opportunity to do that. Um, but if you, if you don't have that opportunity, it's taking the time to really explore what is most important to you. So if you think about, you know, it's thinking with that end in mind and coming up with a list. Let's say you start with 100 things that you want to experience in your life, both from the terms of the impact you want to have, but also just life experience. Maybe it's to get married. Maybe it's to have children. Maybe it's to travel the world. But you come up with this list, and then you go through that list and you say, okay, to make it more manageable, let's say you're going to come up with 20. And you begin narrowing that down. If I could only accomplish 15 things on this list of 20, which 15 things do I most want to experience in my life? And then you go down to 10. Then you go down to your top five. Then you go down to your top one or two. And you begin narrowing that down so that you know where you want to be expressing yourself in the world. There are also many assessment tools that can help you find your strengths. One of the ones that I really like is, is called Strength Finders. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. It, there's a, a great book out on that, but it's a tool that you, you get the code right from buying the book in the back, but that's another tool that I've used with clients as well because that's a way of starting to look at your strengths. You can work with a coach or a career uh, professional that can help you with some of those other tools, but there are a lot of self-assessment tools that you can use as well. If you haven't done a lot of that, that's a great way to just get some, you know, tight information about you right up front. 
to start exploring that. But the other thing is to start thinking about when are those times in my life where I have felt completely in flow, completely in the zone, I lost track of time, I loved what I was doing so much and was so present in that moment, and I knew that the best of me was coming through, what was I doing? Who was I with? Who was I doing it with? What was the role that I was playing? Those can be found in stories. That's part of the process that that I help people through is helping pull those stories out of them. Because when you get those moments like that, sometimes we take for granted the skills we're using in those moments or the role that we're playing in those moments. So starting to create that awareness for someone, if they're not aware of what that is, is really, really important. But they need to do it over time so that they see how that can change and shift and grow and deepen over time. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh You're welcome. Yeah, I mean that's and and that's why I, I asked you to, to do that for the listeners because it's like you said before, you know, as coaches, as trainers, as speakers, as people with within that personal development realm, we're inside that bubble. And for mm-hmm. someone that has never picked up that book. They didn't venture down that aisle in the bookstore, you know. Uh, Barnes & yep. Noble has a lot of my money, as I'm sure they have a lot of your money too. But some people, <laughs> yes, you, know, they you know, they never went down that book aisle. So for – That's right. It, it, it may seem like personal development, self-growth 101 for a coach, but for someone who's never been there, that's that golden nugget, you know, and yep. Yep. it comes so easily, just like, uh, you know, painting. I don't consider myself a painter, whereas an artist is going to draw a picture with ease. For me, that would be very difficult. So thank, exactly. you, for breaking, thank you for breaking it down for the listener to give them those digestible golden nuggets that they can start to implement immediately and start to see those results. And you're absolutely correct. It takes time. It's a process. Um, But over time, you know, with enough practice, they'll start to see bigger and better and better and better results. So thank you so much, Christine, for for, uh, supplying that. Now, your website is thrivecoachservices.com, and you're also on social media. So you want to shout out your your handles on Twitter and Facebook and everything like that? Sure. On uh, Well, Facebook, it's just Christine Suva. Okay. And Twitter is twitter.com, and it's live to thrive one. And I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. That's actually where a lot of my clients are. So my, I'm at linkedin.com slash in slash Christine Suva. I'd love to connect with any of the listeners. Uh, LinkedIn is a powerful tool. It's actually something I train clients in and uh, do also do profiles for people. So it's a, it's a really powerful tool. I'd love to connect with them. 
There's also a free gift uh, white paper on my website if anyone is interested. It's called The Key Factor Revealed for, for Determining Success in Work and in Life. And it's actually a white paper about that Energy Leadership Index Assessment tool that I spoke about earlier. So for anyone that's interested, you can just go to my website at www.thrivecoachservices.com and you can pick that up there. Excellent, excellent. So, um, yeah, so listeners, remember, Mastering Your Mindset for Success in Book 7, and we've been speaking with Christine Suva. Connect with her on LinkedIn, on Twitter, find her on Facebook, send her a friend request, and, um, and certainly go to her website, thrivecoachservices.com, and get that white paper. Lawrence, do you have anything else for Christine? I just enjoyed speaking with you and enjoyed listening. And um, I'll have to reach out because I still have a billion questions. So, <laughs> so if you, <laughs> don't, if you don't mind being grilled a little bit, I, um, I have a feeling I can learn a lot from you. And so I want to make sure that I do. <laughs> thank you so wow. much for thank being you. on the show today. Thank you both so much, and, and again, the feeling is very mutual. I look forward to our connection growing over time. I know I can learn a ton from both of you, so I just want to thank you for inviting me to be a part of the show today. Awesome having you. Definitely. And, Christine, before you go, is it okay if I, if I quote a piece from your chapter and even paraphrase just a little bit for the listeners as we, as we end out this part of the, of the interview? I'd love it. Awesome. So, and and we may even we may even ask you to touch upon this for just a moment afterwards. Um, sure. You know, and and the one thing that I want the listeners to know, okay, is that many times coaches, I I would even venture to say all the time, the best coaches have been there. You know, it's not like a coach is oh, yeah. speaking from the mountaintops saying, oh, well, I've never had these, these bad things happen to me. You know, no, great coaches, they've been there. They've been in the trenches. They've been in the <laughs> gutters. They know what it's all about. And you said, now this is the part that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote and paraphrase just a little bit. You okay. said, our darkest times often create beautiful new beginnings. Sometimes you need a, a tear down and rebuild. Trust in the process of reinvention because you'll realize that you're stronger and more resilient than ever imagined. The value of every lesson, tool, strategy it took to find the way out will be forever etched in your heart as it was that you, you said that. And it can be very mm-hmm. stressful and scary, but you absolutely come out stronger, healthier, and happier with your relationships intact and thriving. And Christine, you did a beautiful job of, you know, building that rapport with the reader. You and I had, uh, you know, we've exchanged messages on Facebook and LinkedIn. And, you know, up until recently, we haven't had the opportunity to connect personally through the phone. However, reading your chapter I, I, I instantly felt that 
that rapport with you. I felt like I already oh, knew you. who you were. You, you did a fantastic job of painting that picture, building that relationship, and letting the reader, not just me, but letting the reader know that you've been there. You know, you, you, yeah. you mentioned that dark time when, you know, you had to do that rebuilding and you, 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 you noted those struggles that you had to go through. And I think as coaches, that's where, you know, it, it's a very emotional process of helping that person because we know what it's like to be down. We know oh, what yeah. it's like to get beat up and we know what it's like to be in the trenches looking for that that glimmer of light you know so yes yeah and I mean if if you want to hop on for just a moment to even uh touch on that or expand for just a second and let the listeners know that hey you've been there you know oh my gosh have I been there (laughs) yes well thank you so much for that I can't tell you that means the world to me because when I speak and when I write, one of the things that I do that centers me before I even get started is knowing that there may be someone in that audience or in that readership that desperately needs to hear what I have to say. And I just pray that I will speak directly to the heart of that person, to the soul of that person, and touch them just where they need to be touched. And so you saying that means the world to me because that is always my intention. And when you say, yes, you've been there, oh, my goodness, have I been there. And, you know, I came from a, a very affirming home, home life. My father was a retired Methodist minister. My mother was a teacher, and I've already told you enough about them. But when I was early on in my career as a wellness professional, we went through a merger, and in a period of five days, every single area of my life fell apart. I I ended a long-term relationship that had been been headed toward marriage on a Monday. That was my choice. Then Tuesday, I went to work and found out my job had been eliminated in that merger. So Wednesday, I was ready to sign a lease on a new place to live, and Friday, I had friends and family lined up to move me. And instead of moving me in my same vicinity – They moved me an hour and a half away, back in with my parents after living on my own for years, to a community where the only people I knew were my parents. And so in that five days, I lost my relationship, my job, my income, my social life, my home, everything in five days, and literally entered the darkest time of my life. And what I I recognized was that as painful as it was, even though a lot of those choices were mine, and actually the job thing was actually a good thing because it was time for me to move on, but like many of us, I didn't see myself as a quitter. And I was frustrated and my passion was waning because I was so burned out. Um, It was a great life lesson for me because I was introduced to the outplacement company that later recruited me from a teaching college position. Um, And it allowed me to reevaluate. I had this fresh canvas to repaint my life. And once I realized that, it was actually an opportunity to do that. I felt empowered. And I realized I can make conscious choices going forward for my entire life. And I can create what it is that I want for my life. But I had to go through losing all of it to really drive that home. And so essentially what I had to do is turn every tool that I had learned through eight years of college as a health educator, health and biology major, 
community health major, wellness major with counseling psychology and business management. I had to take every single tool that I had used as a wellness professional working in the hospitals, healthcare, education, and corporate environment and turn them in and use every single one of them on myself. So they no longer were something I read in a book, in the bookstore. (laughs) I had to use it in my own life. And the power that that gave me in knowing how powerful using those tools are in your own life and becoming the creator of your own life rather than a victim of circumstances, the depth of understanding in that value went thousandfold. And so if someone's in that dark place, if someone's barely feeling like they're barely hanging on by their fingertips, hold on. Tie a knot in that rope. There is hope for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's quite all right. It's powerful powerful for me. I want that so much to be a source of light and hope for others that may be going through transitions. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's life. Maybe it's everything like me, (laughs) you know. But to know that you absolutely have a bright future that's out there waiting for you and these changes that you're going through may be the very catalyst you need to become all of who you're meant to be, to trust that, that, to have faith in that. And that goes right to what I think you're, you're naturally moving towards is that phrase that you used in your chapter, embrace, and that embracing is that emotional part, is that... Yeah tying a knot in the rope and realizing where you're at. And then you also said own and then thrive. So when we get emotional, when we embrace these things, when we're holding on for dear life, there's a positive aspect to that embrace that can cause you to move to ownership and to thriving. Did you want to say any extra about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's knowing that you have the answers within you already. They're there. They sometimes are just buried under the muck of years of living your life through the direction of outside things. And sometimes it's having those outside things stripped away that gets you deeply connected to what you're meant to be doing. And and knowing that when you take responsibility for the choices that you make, sometimes what we choose not to do says just as much as what we choose to do. I know you probably see that all the time as well. The things that we <laughs> act my own on, life. and the, yeah, well, all of us, absolutely. And I think you, you know, that kind of lends itself to what you said earlier: is that as coaches, we've been we've been in the trenches, most of us. You know, we've been through it. We've gone through that time of of growth and time of soul searching, you know. And Mm -hmm. so when you recognize that always have a choice, there's always a choice to be made. And sometimes that choice means doing nothing. Maybe there's an opportunity that came up that's presented to you. And just as with my mother, you know, here you get this scholarship to Juilliard right in front of you on a platter. And everyone around you is like, yes, that's the pinnacle. That's what you want. But there's this nagging voice inside you that says, oh, man, I don't know. You have to question that voice because it could just be fear. So we we don't want to make decisions from fear. 
We want to make decisions from being centered and grounded. And so questioning that voice when it comes up, but if that voice clearly is not coming from fear, but from knowing ourselves well enough to know what is right for us and what isn't right for us, what's on that path that's meant for us and what's not, it's part of knowing ourselves. So if people don't know themselves well, that's the starting point. Because searching outside of yourself when you don't know who you are whether you're looking for a job, trying to sell yourself in an interview, trying to put yourself out there in your marketing, if you don't know who you are, how can anyone else ever know? And so that's when you get misguided advice about what you should be doing next because they don't know the real you. Very so true. taking and responsibility for going on that journey with yourself first. And isn't that where you find the most uh, rewarding parts of your life is when you give yourself the, both the permission to go through whatever it is you have to go through. It tends to be more rewarding yeah. uh, regardless of the outcome. Um, Absolutely. The journey is way more important than the outcome. And if your journey is, yeah. is embraced and if it's owned, then the outcome tends to be what you expected it or even – in most cases, probably better. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and depending, you know, it's that, to me, that's that spiritual connection to something larger than yourself. So whether you call that spiritual connection God, whether you call it Allah, whatever you call that, whether you call it the universe, <laughs> that part matters less to me than that you have that connection to something larger than yourself that there is a meaning for your life that is bigger than anything you've imagined and that you stay open to that in your life and not limit yourself and play small like so many do, and they do that from fear. Absolutely. And I think you even touch upon it in your chapter. I know you, you, you said it before in that, you know, in all areas of life, whether it's jobs, whether it's living environment, social circles, love relationships, you know, a lot of times people, they do things that they think they're supposed to do. Or like you said, they follow the yeah. advice, uh, advice in quotes from, you know, well-meaning people. But many times yeah. those suggestions, that advice, and the reason I'm emphasizing for the listener is because I'm putting the bunny ear quotes on, you know, it's the, the person, they mean, they mean well. However, you know, it's all they're really doing is throwing at you these limiting beliefs, limiting decisions, because maybe they don't think it's possible to start a business or to find love or to relocate to a better area or whatever, you know, and they say, Oh, well, you know, I tried that. Don't do that. Um, but really, and if you choose to accept that, you know, like you said, you're not living to your purpose. You're not going with the big picture. You're not living and doing what it is you're meant to do. You're just doing what you think you're supposed to do or what other people are telling you, whether it's, uh, going into a, a job just 
because or um so yeah and and you're absolutely right it's it's knowing your purpose it's fulfilling what it is that you know in your heart of hearts you know deep down what is it what the, that I'm meant to do and finding what resonates with you and like you said before still maintaining your values and your priorities to make sure that everything is in full alignment and you're being congruent, you know? Yes, absolutely. Beautifully said. And, and, you know, that whole process of checking in and being in alignment. One of the things that, that if I could just real quickly just say is that not everybody knows their purpose early on like I did. Okay. And I am absolutely well aware of that. In fact, most of my clients don't. And that is absolutely okay, knowing that you are right where you're meant to be right now and that where you are in that process is perfectly fine. It's where you go from here. And so if someone, for example, grew up in a family where it, it, humbleness was very much a value, being humble, and it's a beautiful thing right? In relationships, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, they're so humble. They're such a great guy. They're such a great, you know, woman. And, and yet, if you are never able to talk about your strengths, if your strengths are never pointed out to you, and if you never explore what those are, because if you talk about what you're good at, you're therefore bragging, which is a bad thing. If that's kind of the environment that you're brought up in, and it's just assumed that you know what you're good at. We just don't talk about that, but we say a lot about what you could improve on, right? It's that negative, positive feedback thing. Um, I have this a lot when I work with clients, especially, you know, even executives where they've had a lot of success in their career, but it comes time where they've got to go on an interview, and it's extremely hard for them to talk about what they're good at. And... I, I've had other clients, too. I've worked with some former professional athletes. And if you think about an athlete, um, their body, their mechanics, what they're doing on the field or on the court or on the ice speaks for them. Their strengths and their gifts are out there for everyone to be seen without them saying a word. Then when that career is over, They've got to find, A, another purpose for their life, but, B, be able to speak to why someone should choose them in whatever role that is. For many of them, it's extremely difficult to make that transition because they're not used to having to talk about it. They're used to just being able to go do their thing and let, let it talk for itself. And so that's a process that I end up having to take, take, take people through a lot where they're very uncomfortable saying what they're good at. Well, in an interview, you've got to be able to do that. If you can't speak to your strengths, then that you're not going to have success in the interview. And so sometimes a way around that is helping them find those hidden stories so that they can speak to their strengths in those stories. So that by telling those stories from a place of confidence, being grounded and rooted and centered and highlighting the role they were playing, the, 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 the skills they were using without saying, oh, I'm good at X, Y, and Z, but that makes them want to throw up. In their stories, that's what makes the difference. So another piece of that is, is I work with physicians a lot. And 
many times the more educated someone is, the more well-trained they are, the more they tend to focus strictly entirely on their credentials, right? And when we think of a bio or we think of a website or we think of an introduction for someone, yes, those things are important, but let's say when we look for a doctor, First, yes, we want to know that they're well-educated, that they went to maybe an Ivy League medical school, that they, you know, have all these trainings and specialties. But those become checkboxes after a while. What then sets it apart are those recommendations that we see and how they're rated and any awards they've gotten and those kinds of things. But then beyond that, those become check marks as well. Beyond that, which doctor do we want to work with? Do we want to work with a doctor that is absolutely passionate about having the healing work that they do serve their patients? Or do you just want to work with a guy that went to the Ivy League Medical School with all the accolades that has no bedside manner whatsoever? How do we make those choices at that point? If we have, say, for example, an allergist who as a kid he was stuck inside all the time, standing there crying, watching all of his friends playing outside because every time he went outside, his allergies kicked in, he had asthma, and he couldn't go out and play. He decided that he was going to make sure that he got the skills to help other kids not go through what he went through. And so he went and got his training and his certifications, and his patients' recommendations show the passion that he has for helping and helping them. Which doctor are you going to go to? Absolutely. It's those stories that set you apart as a business owner, as a professional, as, as it, it's your stories, your life experience, not just your credentials, that help people decide, is this the right professional, individual, coach, doctor, whatever you are, for me? Right. And that's part Absolutely. of knowing yourself. Absolutely. And, Christine, once again, thank you so much for uh, elaborating even more. And I do encourage everyone to check out Christine Suva, thrivecoachservices.com, and connect with her. And make sure you go to her website and get that free gift. Christine, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we have our next guest on the air. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. You thank too. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, friends. Rich Perry here, and I want to thank you for making the time to listen today. Lawrence Pipkin and I are honored to be a part of this amazing global community founded by Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, and we're proud to serve you, our listeners, as the host of the Change Book Radio Show. We know you're interested in personal development. That's why you're listening today, and you can count on us to deliver a premium platform for the many co-authors from around the globe to share their unique insights, stories, and strategies that will inspire you to create marvelous changes in your own life. Remember to join the Change Book public Facebook group, and connect personally with your favorite co-authors. And if you've benefited from listening to this show, then we want to hear from you. 
go to iTunes and leave a written review and the star rating you feel the Change Book Radio Show deserves. And please share this show with your friends. And as a loyal listener, we have a special gift for you. Go to our website, vortexmastermind.com, and download our free trainings that will show you how to bankroll your mind for success. Each training module provides exercises that you can apply in your business and life to start seeing your own fantastic results. On behalf of Lawrence Pipkin and myself, Rich Perry, thanks and be excellent. Now, back to the Change Book Radio Show. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rich Perry here, and I'm joined as always by my business partner and friend, Lawrence Pipkin. We just heard from Christine Suva, and now we're about ready to bring in our next guest, Darcy McJanet. Now, Darcy, her chapter is called Effective Work and Life Rebalance, and you can find her chapter in book four. A little bit about Darcy. As a modern-day visionary and pioneer in transitional coaching, Darcy strategically integrates personal and professional development with executive leadership and life coaching to achieve optimal life management and deliver high performance beyond self-imposed limitations. She divides the roadmap to help you rebalance your life, focused on managing the bombardment of daily competing demands. Darcy's also known as the leadership diva and sought out by national media to provide expert opinions and commentary. Darcy, you with us today? Hey, how are you? Pleasure to be hey, with you today. Yes, thanks for calling in. And you're calling in from, from Canada today, right? Correct. Awesome, awesome. Darcy, real quick, why don't you, I gave that introduction, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your chapter, Effective Work and Life Rebalance? Sure. Well, basically, the whole premise behind um, work-life balance, and I've created a whole new concept called rebalance, but the whole premise and perspective behind it is basically um, to become present and purposeful in our lives and recognize that, you know, in our lives, there's going to be ebbs and flows, and we have to go according to those. And so to leave room in our lives where we have, we can adjust and have manageability levels in our lives. So for instance, um, I'll give you an exact example of this. Um, essentially, we were renovating our house recently, and all our support systems were in another city and that kind of thing. And so what I did was I had to kind of cut back on my kids' extracurricular activities um, in order to be able to manage what was going on in our lives with all the renos. So that's just sort of a practical example of what I mean when I say that was going with the ebbs and flows. So people have this framework or this structure that we work with, and we have you know, goals and things that we want to attain within our lives. Um, both personally and professionally. But having said that, we want to also leave room to be able to go with all the unforeseeables that happen in life. And so we want to be able to be able to maneuver those unforeseeables and, you know, kind of devise ways that we can um, we can work around those. So basically my whole chapter focused on how to balance 
you know, have work-life balance in your personal and professional life. And so I'm a big proponent of organizations integrating this concept within the workplace as well because it's one thing to have it in your home life and in your personal life and, and be really instrumental in, in trying to integrate that into that aspect of your life. But if it's not supported within the context of the workplace and employers and CEOs and business owners are getting on board with this, then it's all for naught. So, so I really focused my chapter around trying to get buy-in um, with, you know, especially when it was being pushed through CEO space to, to, for organizations to realize the value in investing employees and um, realizing that it's going to affect their bottom line and to reduce turnover and all those kind of things. But the whole premise um, essentially behind my rebalance concept is looking at all aspects of one's the personal dimensions of one's life. So whether it's you know the physical um, rebalance part of your life, where it takes into account you know your health, um, you know your daily habits and all those kind of things. Um, so I take into account all that kind of stuff when we look at that aspect of one's dimension, and which really plays into whether they're able to meet their day-to-day you know vision of what they want for their life and their and where they want to go. Um, and then we also look at, you know, that there's an intellectual component to rebalance as well in, in terms of, you know, extracurricular um, learning and all those kind of aspects of it. And then you've got the vocational element as well as the social and um, the emotional part of it and then also the spiritual part of it. So, so really I look at things from a holistic perspective from your mind, body, and soul and how that can be fully integrated into helping someone achieve the things that they want to achieve within the context of their life. So, Well, Darcy, this is Lawrence. I want to welcome Hi, you Lawrence. to the show. And uh, if anybody has read your chapter, they might have come away with the same thought that I did, is that you scare the hell out of me. <laughs> oh, no. uh, and I would tell you Is that a good why. or bad thing? I don't know. <laughs> It's an amazingly good thing, and this is why I think that in um, in the self-empowerment, the self-development, the self-help, in all of the genres, you don't find somebody that is so analytically and research-charged as I found you. Right. You talk about rebalance, but you talk about results-based thinking. You talk about uh, the ability to control versus your course of action. You talk about performance increasing with confidence positive change equaling decision-making plus constructing your life. You audit for results. A lot of this stuff scares the shit out of people because <laughs> it makes them look at what's really, 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 really happening in their life, and it stops all the grumbling and the bitching of, I'm a victim. Because when you look at the numbers and you say, well, I spent 15 minutes this week working on my business and my life, why don't I have 128 hours worth of results? Right. And, and I think that's why it can be scary to have somebody like you in such a positive way because it really forces people to look at what are you really doing. And, for well, example, you, know, you gave – pardon? No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you gave 27 recommended techniques. Right. Um, and they run the gamut. And I would like, I think I know what your top five recommended techniques would be, but uh, I want to test myself. So if you could give us 
your top five recommended techniques to help people rebalance their life, to be effective at that work and life rebalancing. Right. Well, I think first and foremost, if people remove and, you know, sort of, I always say once you eliminate, you elevate in your life. So when you remove all the distractions from your life, then things start to fall into place automatically. And it's and it's one of those things where we just want to have sort of automated habits in your life that are good for you. So that that would be another thing that I would say to viewers is that to make sure that whatever you're doing on a daily basis, and it could be small incremental changes, but those small incremental changes obviously at the end of the day result into um, astronomical results, right, and transformation with people's lives both personally and on a professional level. And so so I really try to look at things from a logical, analytical perspective as well as, um, you know, from left brain, right brain kind of perspective, I guess you could say. So it appeals to everybody because a lot of the things that – there's a lot of rhetoric in this industry about things that you can do to help people or, you know, philosophies to buy into. But at the end of the day, everything comes down to metrics. So when you're, when you're running your life almost like a business – and I mean that metaphorically, but I also mean it from the context of don't get so tied up in the numbers necessarily. I mean, you have to look at those as things to checkpoints. But when you come back to your overall um, things in your life, like energy management, for instance, I would say to my clients, focus more on you know, what you want to accomplish and the, the, the high-value items in your life and the things that are going to give you the highest rendering results the quickest and, you know, it's so interesting because when people, um, for instance, when, and they say, well, what does energy management mean? So to take something that's simplistic, but it transcends into all parts of your life. If someone becomes ill, for instance, you, uh, your process of, you know, deduction becomes really, really quick at that point because you, you automatically take all the, the drainers and distractors out of your life because you don't have time for them. So then your priorities automatically become very, very clear to you on what's important and what isn't. And so this whole concept of rebalance is really about getting back to the basics in terms of what your priorities are in your life and then how do you fit all those other things into that, right? And so I try to give people very, very tangible takeaways on what they can do. Um, but staying, in, staying within your power and, and, you know, and avoiding toxic situations, people, places, things, um, and using – I always say use a bold extraction process um, to move you forward and, and onward kind of thing so that you always have constant forward momentum. But having said that, I mean, there's, there's going to be times in your life where and mental resilience really plays into this from a huge component. So you really have to, like every part of your life, whether it's your personal or professional life, falls back to mental resilience as a foundation. So that would be the core thing I would say from, for every year is to focus on your priorities, focus on, you know, the mental resilience aspect of things. And, and the big part of that is to eliminate and simplify things within the context of your life, right, whether it's from a business perspective or whether it's from a personal perspective. So, and I always say get rid of the things that you don't want to do that don't bring joy to your life that are just, you know, outsource what you can the things that you consider stressful tasks. So, you know, things whether it's your lawn work or, you know, meal prep or dry cleaning or any of those kind of things are like, you know, have the the doggy pooper scooper guy come and do the stuff you don't want to do. Things that you find, and a lot of times it's medial things in, in people's lives that they find super stressful. So outsource all of those things to free up time for the things that are 
that are really important and value-adding to your life. And so I always take things back to that analytical perspective again. Well, what's your time worth an hour? So, you know, if, if you're, for instance, you're going to pay someone to clean your house, you know, $25, $30 an hour, and you're able to make a couple hundred dollars an hour, well, then all of a sudden you're ahead of the game. So, so start looking at things from that context, I would tell people. And then really your life becomes simpler. And from a business perspective, automate what you can. I mean, that's that anyone who's scaling their business to a higher level, everything's automated or outsourced. And often it's the things we are most passionate about that we don't want to outsource, that we hold on to and that are so dear, near and dear to our hearts. But those are the things that are most, most critical quite often to let go of. Um, and as you know, the more creative somebody is, the more that they want to be really entrenched and involved in that that process of things. So I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. And I think that I, when you talk about rebalance, I don't. I think people don't understand that even as chaotic as times are now, anytime there is an issue from from one perspective to another, it's always chaotic. For the caveman living in the cave who decided to venture forth from the cave, it then became more chaotic. Uh, From the nomad who was always looking for water, who then started asking the question, well, how can we bring the water to us, bringing forth an agrarian age, it became very chaotic. So this rebalance is something that continually revolves itself in our evolution. And when you say something like eliminate to elevate, that's exactly what you're doing. And I think that's something that, especially people that are trying to create a business in, in coaching or in some form of empowerment or helping, need to understand is that you really do need to leverage your time. You need to not be the one with all the answers for everything in your life. And so your message is incredibly powerful if people can listen to you tell them, look at the numbers, look at the metrics. And so from that, I want to ask you a quick question about your idea of results-based thinking. Um, What could you give the listeners that would give them a good sense of what that really means to you, but what also it could mean to them as they try to rebalance their work and their life? Right. So in terms of from the context of someone's personal life, from a life coaching perspective, for instance, Think, anything that you can do to that are non-priority items or non what I call time-sensitive items, anything that you can shortcut or streamline or simplify in your life, I say do so. For instance, if you are having a meeting at a place and there's a car wash next door, and they can you can get your car detailed while you're in the meeting, go for it, do it. Anything that can save you time, money, effort, energy, those are the things that you want to do, and so because you're you're capitalizing on your time which is then elevating your time to spend on you know monetizing activities more time with your family anything that falls within the context of your priority list and so and you know a lot of people get caught up in this whole guilt mode and i always say you know ditch the guilt mode get over that because you know for instance you'll have people that are on business trips and their kids will be calling them and they'll be crying and you know, having meltdowns and that kind of stuff. And there's nothing in those scenarios, there's nothing you can do to, you're not there, so you can be there as much as you can be there. So that's why FaceTime is always better than no time. And so people remember the the emotional response you gave them. They don't always remember what you said, and that goes for, you know, friends, family, kids, whatnot. And so 
just being able to be present, as, as present as you're, as you're able to be. So I always say to people, ditch the guilt and be, if you're having a conversation with someone, be present within the context of that conversation and be fully immersed in that conversation. And if, you know, for instance, you're having to do work from your kid's soccer field or within, you know, within the car, like, you know, whether it's on commuting time. I mean, I've, I've taken conference calls while I was getting a massage done because my back was in so much pain. So, you know, there's, there's things that you can do, but people have these limiting beliefs where they're like, well, you know, I can't do this because I don't have time. Well, there's no such thing as you don't have time. You, you restructure your day to create time for the things that are important to you most in life. And so that goes with on a personal and professional level. And so I always look at for my clients at their entire life profile and what all of those dimensions look like together as an integrated whole. And it's because you're not just one person, right? You're not just what you do for a living. That's an extension of who you are. So you want to look at the the entire context of your life and say, okay, you know, where am I falling short? What areas can I readapt or or kind of remeasure, so to speak? And it doesn't always have to be a a super analytical thing. It can be something as simple as, you know what, I'm I'm always dehydrated, I'm getting headaches, and I need to to remember to to have more hydration and water intake today. It can be something as simplistic as that. But you know what, that can be something that can completely transform somebody's day in their life right, just in terms of weight loss and all the other things that that, that spills over into. So, so I always try to look at the, the full picture of, of what someone's dealing with and then look at, you know, it, it's like if you look at an aerial view down on a trampoline, you know, from that circumference kind of pie shape, and you, if you had to, to slice that into all these different sections of your life, you know, which, which aspects of that would you want to modify so that you actually felt like you were – whole again or had contentment or happiness and people talk about those terms very loosely and very generally but and I'm actually in the process of creating an entire framework around rebalance now to to help people manage all those aspects of their life and how they can they can manage them as though you're the CEO of your life and you're you're looking at you know where can I adapt where can I modify and all that kind of thing so um, so yeah excellent excellent and, uh, you know, if, if the listener, if you listening right now and you want help with rebalancing your life, then I would strongly encourage you to pick up the change book four and read Darcy's chapter. Now, Darcy, you have the self-evaluation audit questionnaire, which has a whole bunch of, well, it's obviously questions to allow the reader to evaluate what they're doing. You know, where are things out of whack and out of alignment and where there's, where's that imbalance of what's going on. And then like Lawrence said, when you scared Lawrence a little bit, you have the (laughs) 30. And now I thought it was 30, but Lawrence said 27. So, you know, but either way you have those. There's actually a lot more in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that was just the, the tip of the iceberg, right? So Absolutely. these are great rebalance techniques. And, and, and Darcy, you do a fantastic job of covering all areas of life, whether it's, like you said, uh, learning how to structure, if you need that massage, to get a massage while you're having a conference call. Or, ha- or outsourcing certain activities. So certainly 
pick up her chapter, uh, pick up her book number four and read her chapter because there's all kinds of tips in there that you, the reader, are going to get some action steps and strategies to rebalance your life. And now, real quick, I want to highlight the one uh, area in your chapter you said to live consciously and avoid being a zombie of indecision and apathy, going through the motions of life without direction and purpose will result in a person becoming a directionless bystander with few expectations and fewer personal successes. Now, real quick, I'm curious, what is one big roadblock that people have with achieving or simply maintaining that work-life balance? What is it that people are struggling with? What's this roadblock that they, they, they can't do it? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing with that is that, you know, anxiety and stress is just sort of is the onset of what the real problem is. And that and a lot of times is people don't want to face the fact that they need to make some instrumental changes in the, in the context of their life, right? So and, and in order to do that, you have to kind of face your demons, so to speak, and look at the things that aren't working within your life, whether it's personally or professionally or someone's in a, a job that they don't want to leave, but they feel like they've got the golden handcuffs, so to speak, or um, whether they're in a relationship that's toxic for them or, or whatever that looks like on on you know, within the context of your personal and professional life. And so it's really owning up to your life and, and taking, you know, a very clear look at what it is that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and looking at what your your subconscious patterns are. I mean, we all have things that we do consciously and unconsciously. And that's where, you know, coaching is amazing because as as coaches, we're, you know, these objective observers that can – you know, highlight the things and the gaps in the, the process, so to speak, in people's lives that they don't want to either face for themselves or they need someone else to point out for them. And so in order for your life to kind of be that, you know, perfect game of Jenga, so to speak, where you don't have one block falling out and your entire life toppling over, um, it, it's really looking at the things that you're most afraid to look at within your life and saying, okay, what isn't working? And it doesn't always have to be some massive, massive catastrophe or, you know, some major um, dramatic episode. It can be just small incremental things that just aren't working for you on a day-to-day basis. And going, okay, well, you know, I, I'd love to inject this into my life, but I, I need an extra hour a day. Well, then I would say to people, then let's look at re- revamping your entire schedule and getting you up an extra hour or two earlier, right? Or, But people always come up with these limiting beliefs on why they're not able to do things and they don't give themselves the benefit of the doubt and they just, people are so afraid of change. And if you can overcome the fear of change within yourself and your life and every aspect of your life, then I think, and that also ties in with the whole mental resilience part of things, then you, you can overcome almost anything in your life. I truly believe that. Excellent. Now, I'm curious, what is one golden nugget? What's a strategy? What's an insight that you can give in a, in a easy, digestible way for the listener right now, other than the 30 tips? <laughs> right, analyzing your patterns and your routines, right, and just being aware of what those are. Um, and, and for instance, like subconsciously, when people are, you know, they want to lose weight, but they don't look at what their subconscious eating patterns are. So, you know, they might be sitting in front of a TV and they're constantly eating, 
junk food. I say, you know, autom- like those are automatic patterns we all have in our lives, both like personally and professionally, that we're not aware of. So whatever it is, whatever that one thing is that you want to fundamentally change in your life, look at all the things surrounding that that you're doing. Fantastic. That can be implemented into change. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Now, what can we expect? Now, I know you said you're working on an entire program that right. – I'm sure Lawrence isn't going to want to touch because you already scared him with 30, with 30 techniques. And I, you know, you well, might've just, just blown him out of the Just because I'm afraid of it doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. So. <laughs> but so, it's also to brace you the fear, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what can we expect from you in the very near future? If the, if the listener right now is like, I need that rebalance, I need that work-life balance, how can they, or what, what's something that you've got in the works right now that they can look forward to? Well, essentially I have a book coming out where I'm cracking the code on work-life rebalance. So I'm going to give people very, very tangible things that they can do to implement it into their lives. I'm creating an entire new framework that doesn't even exist in the marketplace right now. So it's going to be something really cutting edge that's super exciting. And um, and it's been taking me a while to work on, but I just want it to be so comprehensive. And as you know, I'm a details person. So <laughs> it's, um, it's going to be something that's really going to be able to transform people's lives in a huge, massive way and and take their lives to a whole other level. And it's also going to fill in the gaps of things in the marketplace that don't exist right now. So just as a, a little kind of teaser as to what, what's to come, it's, I'm pretty excited about it. So, Right on, right on. Now, if you want to connect with Darcy, then you need to go to her website. It's DarcyMcJanet.com. That's D-A-R-C-E-E-M-C-J-A-N-N-E-T.com. And if, you know, you didn't write that down, listen to the replay, or just check the show notes because the link is right there. And where else can the people get in contact with you right now? Do you want to shout out your social media links, Darcy? Sure. So they can reach me on Strategy Go on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So feel free to reach out to me on either one of those platforms. I'm pretty much cool. on all the platforms, even on Pinterest as well. So, and there's lots of lifestyle <laughs> tips I give people on Pinterest. So, I really try to encapsulate things from, from, you know, a, a sort of day-to-day life fun perspective as well as the analytical perspective. So, it kind of appeals to to everybody. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And do you have an ending note? Do you have a particular insight that you want to share? on an ending point, and then I'm going to quote you from your book as we wrap up this segment of the radio show. Well, I think at the end of the day, there's universal principles that resurface in everyone's lives. And so I think when we choose to look at those things and look at our patterns and recognize them for what they are, and we're willing to address them and address the things that are scare us most in our life, once we get to that place, you can elevate beyond your wildest dreams. Right on. And just to quote you from your chapter, because I I liked it so much, you said, be true to yourself, remain positive, meet your challenges head on, thrive in your new rebalanced 
reality. I think that's so important because I think that one sentence just it's it's just the glue right there. You have to be true to yourself. Absolutely. Obviously, you have to remain positive and you have to meet your challenges head on in order to thrive and I and and I know you mentioned it in your chapter accountability is a big thing. So right. make sure to hold yourself accountable and I encourage you to reach out to Darcy and certainly check out her new book as she blows out the water and, you know, shines that light on something that no one else has uh, put forth yet. So, Darcy, thank you so much for joining us on the Change Book radio show today for this special episode. Well, thank you so much for having me. Right on. Thank you, Darcy. So, it was awesome. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Darcy. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Lawrence, are you there? I am, sir. Right on. So we had two amazing co-authors today, and, you know, I've never – well, I mean, I have heard you say that certain things scared you before, but – I thought that was pretty cool that you know you, you came forward and and let the good people know about it because it it was it was power packed it was strategy based there was lots of results there was you know complete well, action it was just, steps. Well, the thing that I that struck me with uh, with Darcy's chapter it was also something that uh, Jim Lutz has also pointed to um, when he said if you're not in business unless people know you're in business. And along with that, he also said, if you're not making money, you're not in business. Mm-hmm. You know, so if he said, you know, give me your numbers and I'll tell you, I'll tell you where you're at. And so what I did while I was reading her chapter was created my own little mind map of what was going on and looking at the importance of metrics and how, you know, we think, especially in, in what we do as far as empowerment and we feel that we have to help people. A lot of times coaches think that they have to help people for free. Uh, a lot of times people think that, well, you know, I'm in the coaching business or I'm in the helping right, business right. and helping doesn't mean getting paid for it. Well, you know, that's bullshit. And so you also need to be aware of what you're doing that's creating money for you and what you're not doing that's not creating money for you. So exactly. money is not a bad thing. It can be, it can be a metric to show and you Lawrence, how well you're doing real- Absolutely, and I'm only cutting you off because we've got 10 seconds. So, listen, thank you so much for joining in today. Sorry we had to cut you a little bit short, Lawrence, and uh, we'll see you and listen to you on Wednesday. Thanks and goodbye. Bye-bye.